Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Join over 5,000 attendees for the largest AI event in Asia, Super AI in Singapore, June 5th and 6th, 2024. Edward Snowden, Benedict Evans, Balaji Srinivasan, and over 150 others will hit the stage, joining the industry's most influential to explore and unveil the next wave of transformative AI technologies. Singapore will become a vibrant AI hub for a full week from June 3rd to the 9th, with over 150 side events that will make for unparalleled networking opportunities. Visit superai.com for 20% off tickets with the code REALVISION. Look for the link in the description. Will Powell be the Grinch that stalled the rally? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing with me today. Not one, but two. Tony Greer, founder of TG Macro and editor of The Morning Navigator, and Jared Dillian, editor of the Daily Dirt Nap Newsletter. Hey, guys. So fun to both have you both on. Maggie, what's happening? What's up? <laughs> How you doing, JD? Uh, I got my JD bobblehead doll here. Just looking good. Yeah, right? Looking good. I love it. I tap well, his head whenever I make money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's nodding in agreement. Um, it, we, we thought it would be really fun to have you both on today in all seriousness, because we're kind of at this interesting juncture. You know, markets had that big move in November, turning into December. I've talked about it with both of you on air. Um, and then we've kind of been in this holding pattern for the better part of the last week as everyone was waiting for the inflation data, but really more importantly for the Fed uh, to see what they have to say. What's I just want to start with both of you. What kind of what's top of mind? And we're and we're really running into the final stretch of the year as well. So what's top of mind for you both? Um, and Tony, let's start with you. Okay, um, you know today is kind of like a, sorry, a great uh, example of kind of the way that I'm thinking. You know the the CPI data came out. It was pretty benign. You know, kind of a basis point either way of expectations and that is a trigger for tech stocks to rally to, to me in this kind under these kind of conditions. And so today, you know, like, like this is kind of what's top of mind is seeing, making sure inflation is still in check, making sure there's no dislocations in the bond market. I mean, we're kind of past that already, but I think the more certainty that the stock market can have in that, the better it's going to perform. And like, you know, you started off saying, is Powell going to be the Grinch? Man, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't tend to top rallies over very often. So I'm going to take the other side and think that he's going to deliver the Santa rally. That's my opinion. That's what I'm looking for, Maggie. Awesome. Jerry, what about you? How, how are you feeling about the market and kind of how it's positioned going into this Fed meeting? Uh, well, I think, you know, CPI today was kind of interesting. It's kind of bottoming out. I mean, if you look at the true inflation data, it's also at 3.1%. So I don't I don't expect that we're going to get any lower inflation prints. The question is, you know, we've heard a lot of chatter out of Fed officials about rate cuts. 
Uh, and I'm getting a lot of pushback from people that, you know, people are saying, well, the Fed is not going to cut rates unless there's an accident or a crash or a meaningful rollover in the economy. And I disagree. I think the Fed's going to cut 100 basis points regardless um, because they've over tightened. They've over tightened and real interest rates are over 3 percent and they're going to take back some of that tightening. So that's the base case. That's kind of where two-year notes are priced right now. We're pricing in about 125 basis points of cuts. So whether we get more cuts is really a function of what happens going forward. Um, I think that the stock market is peaking uh, sometime in the next week or two. I think I think stocks are going to peak. Um, not really sure what's going to happen, but you know I'm the sentiment guy and. Uh, seeing some not not Tony not Tony but I'm seeing some victory laps on stocks. Uh, we we've seen the AAII data blow out to extreme levels. Uh, people are saying it's safe to go back in the pool. So, you know, I think we're I think we're close to a top. And the other thing is the other thing I get pushback on is people say, well, how can we have a meaningful sell off in stocks in December, like towards the end of the year? I'm like, I don't know. It can happen. Like there's, you know, there's precedent for everything. So I think it's, I think it's possible. So the point is I'm not waiting until the new year to get short. Mm, okay. Um, it's funny. You, if I correct Tony, last time we talked, you, you, we, you, we definitely talked about you nailing the rally in November. I feel like you got a little bit more balanced and you were a little bit more cautious. A lot of people were talking about a little bit of like consolidation or congestion in the beginning of December and then just waiting to see what would happen from there. So, um, yeah, I don't know what it, 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 talk to me a little bit about this, the, the idea that, you know, seasonally, I feel like even though everyone's expecting a Santa Claus rally and everybody says this is a seasonally strong time of the year and to Jared, your point, they push back on you. I also feel like everybody hates this stock rally too. Like everybody thinks, it's overdone. Everybody thinks that like they're just they've been worried about it the whole way up. I feel like I don't know. Like, what are you hearing anecdotally from people? Um, you know, I, I feel I, I kind of agree with you, Maggie, where I, I sense, you know, I, I sense like I sense things where I think I feel like Fintwit is more balanced, where I, I do agree with Jared. I mean, the AAII bull index is right to the high. CTA positioning is definitely long. You know, I, I try not to get too wrapped up in that because it could be always be one of those situations where people are long and right for a period of time, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm definitely taking the sort of, uh, uh, you know, I, I did sort of balance my bullish view off of the lows. You know, we had a hundred and change point S&P run. So I had to kind of temper that. And, you know, I would say that we may be due for a waterfall, but and I'm talking about a shallow one. And I kind of feel like we're coming out of a spin cycle where the market couldn't get a handle on, you know, which way it was going to trend, which way it was going to uh, break up or break down. And now we've got some technical tailwinds that I think, you know, we're at a resistance level in um, the S&P. But I feel like if we can clear another 30 or 40 points that there could be a breakout to trade. So, you know, I'm looking at it a little bit differently than Jared. I just don't think that I, while I do agree that there may be a 50 point, 100 point S&P pullback or something like that. I don't think that those are going to be where the real money is for the next, you know, several months. I think that's going to be shallow. You might be able to catch it if you're really good and cover on the lows, 
But I think that there are people in line to get into this market because they feel like they missed that pivot into, mm-hmm. you know, from from tightening to easing because it wasn't really clear there. You know, there were some mixed signals from the Fed and mixed signals in interest rate projections. The one thing that's been kind of a steady indicator has been the curve for me. You know, in twos, tens, as long as it's kind of stable right now and not jarring out of the inflation data, I, I can live with any kind of a pullback that I can trade higher and still look for higher prices in stocks. I wonder if you, so one of the things that's been so critical for stocks is treasuries, right? Everything's going to kind of depend, has been depending on the direction of treasury yields. And I think this is why people are really anticipating this Fed meeting tomorrow, because not only are we going to get a presser, um, but we get the the dot plot and the, you know, the expectations, the economic forecasts and all of that. Um, we had Jim Bianco on yesterday and he said something really interesting and I think a little bit contrarian. And he thinks that, inflation has bottomed and is is not shooting higher, but will be persistently a problem and sticky. And he thinks treasury yields are headed higher. 5.5 is where he thinks they could hit somewhere in 2024. That's pretty aggressive. And it, it's not something I've heard a lot of. How important is the direction of treasuries here? And are we, does it feel like we're in, we, we've spent this whole year running from one side of the ship to the other, especially in the wake of those Fed meetings? Does it feel like those kind of big swings in bonds are still what we're in for, Jared? Yeah, I mean, first let me point out that the yield curve has now been inverted the longest in history. This is the longest that the yield curve has ever been inverted. And in order... In order for my thesis to play out, you need the yield curve to bull steepen, right? Very rapidly. You need short-term rates to come down. Um, you know, the pattern for the last few Fed meetings is that you get a pretty dovish directive, and then Powell just starts crapping all over like the press conference. You yeah. know, so throwing so, bombs, throwing bombs got <laughs> hawkish, and he's not. Arthur Burns, he is Paul Volcker, <laughs> right? Like that's the that's been the script. So I, th- I mean, I think that could happen tomorrow. Like honestly, you know, I think we're, I think yields are kind of in the middle of the range. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that ten years aren't going to five and a half next year, but you know, Jim Bianco is, you know, he's been bearish on bonds at least for the last year plus. So I mean, he, yeah. it's like it's his hobby horse. So yeah. Um, but um, in order for rates to go meaningfully lower, we need some progress on the labor market. Like we need weak payroll prints. And the last one wasn't strong, but it was strong enough that, you know, yields went up about 10, 12 basis points across the curve. Mm. So really every claims number is important. Every payroll number is important. The manufacturing surveys don't really mean much at this point. We know that we're in a manufacturing recession. I, the one thing I will say, and I know Tony's going to pipe in on this, but the direction of the housing market is going to have a lot of influence on the economy here. And I think the housing market is slowing meaningfully. You're starting to see prices flatline. You're starting to see offers come down. Um, here in Myrtle Beach, which is the number one highest growth area in the country, you have builders like Lennar and Dr. Horton that are offering huge incentives to move inventory, and the inventory isn't really moving. So things are definitely slowing down. And I don't see how you could be bullish on home builders with the NEHB survey at 34. 
you know, when the home builders themselves are telling you that business is not good. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. David was asking you both to weigh in on home builders because he believes that you are a bull, Tony. Do you have a different view than Jared when it comes to home builders? I have. Uh, a, we, we have completely opposite views. That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, we have totally opposite views, and we we sort of timed it differently, though, right, JD? Like I jumped in on the long side before you got bearish. Like I mm-hmm. I, I bought them twenty percent ago, right? I'm I'm twenty percent mm-hmm. in the money on that trade. So just want to point out, this is so important because time frame means everything, right? Like this is often where we say, "Oh, you have completely polar views." Well, well. It depends on if those timeframes line up. But if you were already riding a 20% gain as a bull, then- So, you know, Maggie, you know, the way that I approach this is very sensibly, you know, I I don't go and look to lock horns with Jared and need to beat my chest and, and you know, <laughs> get up here and, and shout that I won or anything like that. Like when I'm going to trade and I'm looking for things that tell me to exit, I have my ears wide open when Jared says something like, I think these are short, then I'm sitting up in my chair, like wondering if I have to hit the ejector seat. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's very helpful to me to have him come along with me 18, 20% in the money in a position ready to sell half on anything that, you know, scares me. And, you know, he shows up and says, you know, I think these things are going to run out of room. So I, I hear him on the NAHB that that's interesting. And I think what that is, is, the market reacting to seeing this violent move in interest rates. You know, so we saw the violent move higher and we haven't, I don't think that home buyers have had the chance to adjust to the dip in rates much yet. You know, I mean, this has been Mm -hmm. fairly recent. So I'm going to see if, you know, rates kind of sort of level off here and we get more activity back in that sector. And maybe it's just a sector that saw a ghost and finally realizes that rates are going to pivot. And that's why, by the way, the home construction ETF just broke out to a new 52-week high. So I've got the technical tailwinds and I've got sentiment and positioning maybe working against me. So, you know, my eyes, my ears are wide open here, but I haven't made a trade yet to lighten up or anything like that. I'm just paying close attention when smart guys get bearish. You know, that's the yeah. way I'm looking at it. And Jared, are you actually shorting the home builders or you just have it on your kind of watch list because you're getting concerned about them? Uh, it's on my radar and it's very close on my radar. Let's put it that way. So, yeah. uh, the one thing I'll point out is that toll brothers, I think it was yesterday reported like blowout earnings, like, you know, which is, you know, to be contrarian. I mean, it's usually, it's usually the types of stuff that you see around the highs. So I'm curious when you, it's because you watch the housing market and either of you can weigh in on this if you want, I'm not sure who's, but do we've had, it's been so discussed about the fact that the Fed may be easing and the bond market moves rapidly these days, right? So people saw that big leg down um, in November. If you're in the market to buy a home and in your hearing interest rates are going even lower, 
does that sort of ice things for a while, Jared, while people say, well, you know, I have the time to wait three months, maybe three months from now, they're going to be even lower. So I'm going to hold out. How do we, how do, how do rate expectations factor into that activity? Well, um, you know, rates came down 70, 80 basis points from the highs, 10 year rates, mortgage rates. Um, and I mean, I think that was welcome, but I haven't seen a noticeable pickup in activity since rates came down, which means a couple things. It means one, maybe people think rates are coming down more and they're waiting or two, they haven't come down meaningfully enough Mm. uh, to really make a difference in a monthly payment and they need rates to come down much more. So either it hasn't been enough or people are just waiting. The other thing is, is that, you know, in home buying uh, world, like this is a traditionally slow time of the year. Like, yeah. you know, November, December are very slow. Uh, around here, things will pick up again in January and things will really pick up in March. So we kind of don't have enough information yet to like just really make a call and say, you know, the, the housing market is going down or collapsing. Yeah, but 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 w- worth pointing out that it's on both of your watch lists for different reasons. Uh, Related to bonds, question from uh, Jens. VIX at its lowest for over one year. Bond volatility high. Which will mean reversed first? Uh, I would say the VIX. I would say the VIX. Um, If, you know, if... If if we top out next week or the week after, like the technicals are telling me it's going to happen, um, you'll see a you'll see a pickup in the VIX to sixteen or eighteen or twenty or something like that. Um, I think somebody sent me an email today. I actually wasn't in front of the screens after like twelve o'clock today, but the VIX is close to the eleven handle, which is a five year low. Like that's that's significant, you know. Yeah. Is it, can we watch the VIX like we used to, Tony? I think there's some question about that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's still a useful indicator for sure. You know, it, it, it's very useful to see it respond to different things in the market. Definitely interesting watching it respond to the bond market in the curve. I would say, though, that literally after the last two CPI data that came out and then watching the commodity market spill, mm. I feel like the chances of a bond market dislocation lower in this bear market which would be a spike in volatility are like zero now, you know? So that, yeah, I feel like that it's definitely the VIX that, that will pick its head up first. And I don't think that uh, the bond market is going to be scared of an inflation number. Everything is going to be taken with a grain of salt now because we saw the turn. So, yeah. Uh, question from Ralph. So you just mentioned commodities, which we need to talk about. Um, question from Ralph for Tony, how low can that gas go? Don't ask me, man. You know, natural gas is its own beast. You know, it's going to settle back into a range somewhere between two and a half and last sale after breaking down below three. And, you know, we've just got uh, we got hit with a literally a string of above normal temperatures across the whole blanketing the whole entire country. So that's like if there's enough natural gas supply out there, the price is just going to keep grinding lower until something changes. You know, and I don't have any no no skin in the game whatsoever. I'm watching crude oil much closer. That's a really interesting sort of uh, forbidden fruit trade, where the security looks like it's going to pull back to the previous range, except it keeps going. Mm. You know, and so there's a little bit of risk in crude oil there, and I'm kind of I'm kind of watching out for that um, more more so than following nat gas. I just feel like natural gas doesn't have 
I, I don't think that it has tremendous downside from here. Like you wouldn't find me piling into a short trade below $3. So, you know, at some point it'll level off and, and just be boring again, I reckon. Yeah. Does it seem like commodities are basing at all here or do they all feel vulnerable to still the, the, the decline continuing? Tony. Oh, I'm sorry. I was making sure that was for me. Uh, yeah. it, put it this way. You know, this is this will be like the second or third week in a row of pretty steep commodity declines. Um, I think oil is potential to be off like six weeks in a row now. So yeah, I don't really like to jump in front of these freight trains. You know, I'm still we just broke through 70 like, you know, shit through a goose and we got to test the bottom of the range now, which is probably in the mid to low sixties. And, you know, that's a really tempting buy the first time down. And if you get that wrong, you lose $10, you know, so it's kind of gets a little bit slippery down there at the bottom of the range because you'll have CTAs piling in on the short side and they will take the piss out of the price. That's for sure. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm not wrong footed in crude oil. I have no risk on in the sector at all, but I wake up with my eyes open every day. Yeah, I don't know where you get these sayings, Tony, but you, you, they're always new, too. You have like an endless supply. <laughs> I read a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, um, so what about JD? What do you think of commodities? Yeah. Oil. Uh, I mean, it's in a downtrend. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's real. I mean, like, it sounds like a dumb thing to say, and it's like really simplistic, but it's in a downtrend. And, you know, my thesis on oil back up around 80 or 90 was that, you know, I'm sort of the recession guy and I thought we would get a recession and oil prices would go down. Well, the interesting thing is, is that the economy is still strong and oil prices went down anyway, which means this is really more of a supply story than a demand story. And, uh, you know, to let me frame that for you. Like if this turns into a demand destruction event, too, for energy. Like there, I mean, I think the bottom is potentially much lower than we thought. I mean, I think, you know, most people thought the, the bottom in oil could be high fifties, low sixties, something like that. But, you know, if we were in a recession tomorrow, I mean, it could be, you know, 30, 40, I mean, it could, you know, use your imagination. So uh, I don't do think there's you... enough. In, I don't think there's a shortage of inventory. And I mean, I don't think there's enough inventory around to let it get it that low, but yeah, I do think it's vulnerable as well. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you guys think there's a recession coming? I, uh, I I think there is a mild recession coming. I think there is a mild recession coming. That's, you know, a lot of people, when they think of a recession, they think of 2008, because that's like the last real recession that we had. So yeah. they think of 10% unemployment and bank failures and job losses and right, stuff Ar like Armageddon. that. Like to yeah, just, like yeah. it's it, like all recessions are. And if you remember back in 2021, we had two quarters of negative GDP, which was a technical recession. And the NBER said, no, it's not really a recession. We're going to change the rules and not call this a recession. Remember but that? we we actually were in recession for a short period of time. 
Exactly. And JD, remember, that's when we had the negative sentiment bubble in the stock market, right? And the stock market was down around 3,600 or 3,700. Yep. And we had that plunge to 3,500 and back in the same day. And that was the end of the sell-off. And I think you were bullish down there because the, the negative sentiment bubble could not have been bigger. <laughs> you know, like, no, it was. It was one of the biggest bearish, bearish sentiment bubbles we ever saw. So, I it know. Was just, you know, it was amazing to see it come out of that. And uh, but we'll see what happens now. So. Uh, so G Blackburn asking T bills still attractive question mark. Why not stay liquid and short? Either of you T bills still attractive. Why not stay liquid at short stocks? Is that what he's talking about? Uh, I, yes, I assume. I mean, T bills are more attractive than ever, right? If you can get one year bills at wherever they are, like 5.1% or something like that, like rates are fed funds are coming down. Rates are coming down. If you can lock in one year money at 5%, you should absolutely do that right now for sure. You know, like, and, and even, even twos at like 450 or 460 or something like that, like that makes sense. So it's going to take a while. What What is it going to take to move people off the sort of out of that market, I guess, for rates to come down, right? I mean, yep. if they start yep. easing, is that what's going to finally move? And presumably that benefits stocks, no? Because- or, I was just going to say, or, or, or stocks to start performing and igniting animal spirits. And then you'll start seeing some of that money that is actually, I believe, is on the sidelines. I mean, everybody that I know has stuffed a little money in the two-year note at 5% or a lot of it. You know, and if stocks start soaring and the NASDAQ is up 25% on the year and is up five, six percent in the next quarter, whew, man, I mean that that'll be way more attractive than five percent over two years or or something like that. So that's something that I'm looking for to happen where the stock market can pick up a little bit of tailwind into next year. When we're talking about the stock market, Tony, uh, Lena asking, what about the tech sector, uh, which keeps pushing higher even as it looks like it's topping? When we're talking stocks, do we expect more of a broad-based advance like we saw in the beginning of November, or does this narrow out again? And is it really that sort of MAG-7 pushing everything again? It's probably MAG-7 pushing everything again, Maggie. If, you know, I feel like if rates are going to be at least range-bound to lower, or, or at least that we've seen the high in yields, and they're not going to go higher in the next, you know, six months, three to six months, or even be projected to be, you know, raised in God knows how long. That's just the environment that sets up for them to perform well. You know, like whether we like it or not, those stocks do very well in low, steady interest rate environments. And as much as, you know, I can hate on a couple of them, I just can't come up with a thesis to be short them, you know, or certainly put money the opposite direction against those stocks if we're not going to be raising rates. I mean, that was the thing that was so obvious about last year when the NASDAQ got killed, right? Inflation reared its head, rates went higher, and money flowed into hard assets, and it came out of tech. But if it's not going to, if that dynamic is not going to be reconstructed, it doesn't have to come out of tech. It may just keep going in. Yeah. And to, to, to that point, we know Raul has been talking and, and Julian Biddle talk about this a lot. Kevin Kelly was on with me last week and he made the point that it doesn't have to be a massive amount of central bank easing even for it to make a difference on that liquidity play and for it to drive money into risk assets. Now, that was just his opinion. But um, Jared, what happens? So so I, I have two questions for, for both of you. What happens um, if the Fed does its best to try to take the easing out of the market, takes it off the its projections. Jay Powell does everything he can to 
you know, um, verbally indicate that they have no intention of easing in the near term. Does the market pay attention to that? It hasn't listened to them saying that to date. Uh, the gold market pays attention to that for sure. Gold and bonds don't like that at all. Uh, stocks are going to do whatever the hell they're going to do, you know, like that, <laughs> like that's, I mean, the other thing I want to point sure? out is this rally that we've had from like 4150 in the S and P has been really like a historic rally. Like we had three one away runaway gaps. We, I don't think we've had a 1% down day in the last two and a half months. I really don't. I like somebody can check me on that, but I don't think we've had a 1% down day. There have been no pullbacks at all on this rally. Like it, I, you, usually when stocks go up 10%, which is what they did, you know, there's some backing and filling and up and down and stuff like that. But this has just been one way, you know, and volatility has been smushed. And yeah, so. Yeah. So what happens, Tony, if, um, I mean, I know you're, you're a little bit shorter term, I'm, I'm sure as you're positioning, what happens if we don't get an easing, but we also don't get hikes? What about just sideways? We all seem to be ricocheting from super easing conditions, um, to, you know, inflation roaring its head back and, and rates going all the way up. What if we just bump along here? To me, um, a, a sort of static, uh, to sideways rate path is really bullish for stocks. You know that that's kind of the old '95 analog, and I'm not I'm not a chart analog. Like I don't line up charts and say, look, this looks exactly like the chart did that year. But I'm kind of a situational analog. And in '95, the market was dealing with a set of rate cuts, and then there were no more rate cuts, and Fed funds was in like a Fed funds were in like a 75 basis point range for 18 months, and the market freaking exploded. You know, and it was just that confirmation that the high in yields was in and that wrestling with all of the activity and portfolio shifting that takes place around the turns, you know, the, that's when those names finally kind of come to life again and start performing again. So that that's how I look at it, Maggie. I still think that we can um, have that set up going into next year. Jordan asking, we're almost out of time, but I want to just squeeze a couple in. Jordan asking, um, and whoever, if anyone's looking at this, you can just shout, or if you both are, great. Um, what do you think about XBI? Is biotech due for a breakout? I think at some point, Jared, that was on your list, but I can't remember if you were bearish or bullish. Are you looking at biotech at all? Uh, I mean, this was like last year. I was like, you know, bottom feeding and scooped some up around 60 and sold it at 80 or 85. And I'm out of the trade right now. Um, I don't. I don't really going on. I mean, there was, you know, biotech was a big bubble a couple of years ago. Uh, it's down 60, 70% off the highs. Um, I talked to biotech people and they really can't give me a clear answer as to when it's going to rally again. So mm. any thoughts on that, Tony? Is that a sector you're looking at at all? Sure. No, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm not a biologist, Maggie. You know what I mean? I know that. I don't, that, I don't that know anything about biotech. Like <laughs> well, you know a lot about anatomy. A little bit. <laughs> um, for uh, Jordan, you might want to, if you, I don't know if you were in that day, but um, go back and take a look at the conversation I had with Jeremy Schwartz from Wisdom Tree. I think it was um, two Fridays ago. Um, at the very end, he talked about they have some research or have been looking at the fact that biotechs might be an area that really benefits from AI in a way that's underappreciated. It was sort of an interesting comment. 
um, maybe you can dig around and do some research on that um, because it's something that's stuck in my mind if you're looking, if you're in into the biotech space. Um, so anyway, listen, I, I, I'm conscious of Jared's time and both of your time. So um, it's very hard with two people not to go way over if we continue, but it was awesome to catch up with both of you. This is going to be a really critical week and you've both been spot on really nailing the sentiment around all this. So totally appreciate you coming on and can't wait to talk to you on the other side of it as we circle into 24. Awesome, Maggie. Thanks, awesome. man. Thanks, Maggie. Thank you CPG. so much. Thanks, JD. You're the best. <laughs> I love, I can't wait to be with you both in person too. In 24. Soon. You got to gin something up. Um, just a reminder for all of you programming note in, in just two days, starting Thursday, we kick off our last event of the year. It's the Crypto Academy Live. It's virtual Thursday, Friday. We have a great lineup and it is free. Members will get access immediately. If you are not a member, go to realvision.com forward slash get ready to create a free account and register. Here's Raul with a little bit more on what to expect. As you know, Crypto's on the bull run. We're transitioning from crypto spring to crypto summer. It's when things get exciting, but it's when everybody loses their minds. And your one job in a gift of a bull market is not to fuck this up. So one of the key ways of not doing that is to educate yourself. And we passionately believe in education at Real Vision. And one of the things we're doing for you, which is absolutely free, is we've got Real Vision's Crypto Academy Live, which is two days of programming to help you not fuck it up. And I think you're going to find it really valuable. And again, it's free. If you're interested in joining us and leveling up your knowledge, ready for the crypto bull market so you don't fuck it up, then join us, realvision.com forward slash get ready. It's as simple as that. It's free. You get everything that you want. If you are a Real Vision member, you get this already, so you don't need to do anything. Also, if you are a Crypto Academy member, um, it's also included in your package, so you don't need to worry about that. Anyway, realvision.com forward slash get ready and don't fuck this up. Join over 5,000 attendees for the largest AI event in Asia, Super AI in Singapore, June 5th and 6th, 2024. Edward Snowden, Benedict Evans, Balaji Srinivasan, and over 150 others will hit the stage, joining the industry's most influential to explore and unveil the next wave of transformative AI technologies. Singapore will become a vibrant AI hub for a full week from June 3rd to the 9th, with over 150 side events that will make for unparalleled networking opportunities. Visit superai.com for 20% off tickets with the code REALVISION. Look for the link in the description.